It's time for the Live, Shop, Work, and Play radio show and podcast. Interesting people, open conversations, and topics worth talking about. And now, your host, a Georgia Bulldog fan and graduate, a smart real estate investor who learns the hard way, and a radio talk show host. You never know what he's going to say. Joe Mullins. Hello, Florida. This is Joe Mullins. Thank you for joining us this weekend. I want everybody to think about how we wake up to safety. How we wake up to a country that we don't have to worry about a bomb dropping on us. This is real. It's something that we have heard a lot about lately. We're seeing in the Middle East. Israel woke up one day and all of a sudden missiles and bombs and attacks started occurring. Today, I've got an expert with me. I've got Dr. Jeffrey Broder. Thank you for joining us today. I want to talk a little bit about some of what's going on in the Middle East and the potential threats of how this could spill over to the rest of the world, including America. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate the invitation. So, Dr. Broder, we've got people in this country protesting, saying Israel is in the wrong. Like they started to fight because they won't share their land, you know, with this this. Hamas group. And um, when you look at what's actually happening and what's going on, what are your thoughts on what's going on and what's occurring and some of the attitude of Americans saying that they think that we should not get involved, that we should allow this conflict to just play out? Well, um, that, that's a great question. I will tell you, most of us thought that we resolved this uh, territory issue in 1947 under the platform of the United Nations in Resolution 181. And rational actors will, um, if, if they disagree with the borders for one reason or another, or they disagree with how things were settled in 1947 or 1948, go back to the diplomatic solution and discuss it at the United Nations. However, Hamas decided to wake up one morning and choose violence. Um, Israel has every legal right that I know of, and I'm not a lawyer, but self-defense. Um, they woke up on October 7th to see not a military, uh, but um, combatants that targeted women and children, unarmed, um, untrained, ill-equipped civilians that, that were having a nice day all the way up into that moment. We have a First Amendment right to express our our opinion, um, you know, and, and I spent many years in the Army and, and I value the First Amendment and I understand it. Uh, it's part of the double-edged blade uh, characteristic of a democracy, right? I have the opportunity to express my opinion, uh, but sometimes I have to bite the bullet and I have to listen to caustic um, prejudice that is by and large uninformed um, or informed by a few selected facts People either parrot um, somebody else's opinion as their own opinion, um, or they uh, come up with the wrong conclusion or their conclusion. But I mean, you know, protest, it's it's um, it's the nature of our democracy. I don't particularly agree with with um, anything that I've seen or heard in, in the uh, pro-Palestine protest. Um, as a friend of mine said, everybody has a First Amendment right to express exactly how illiterate they are. Um, uh, but that's one perspective, I think. As you talk about this and we talk about the protesting and the people uh, doing this, I don't think they realize that the big threat, I've had several people at 
times say, Joe, why is America getting involved? Why is America getting engaged in this? This isn't our problem. If we allow this to kick out, I have had people come to me and say that these guys don't fight fair. We've already seen 9-11. We've seen them come in and attack America to just start in a conflict with us. They hate us. They cannot stand the way we allow freedom of religion and people to have their own beliefs and their own systems. They think that it should be very structured. So they're totally different from what people are protesting and saying that they want in America, but they don't play by the rules. And many people come to me and say, if we don't get involved in this conflict, that America is at threat. And let's talk about that some. Do you see us being in threat if we do not stand strong with Israel and show we support them? I would argue we're always a threat to, to, the, to that mindset, that ideology. Um, we're just a greater threat or a lesser threat, depending on the last diplomatic action we did or did not undertake. From a strategic viewpoint, uh, I will tell you, Israel needs our help. They are a function of the United Nations, and and the United Nations is a function of lessons learned from World War II. Um, And so all of that was done peacefully with dialogue. Um, And Israel is surrounded by enemies that are state, um, non-state um, a- actors. And then they've got, um, it's an uncomfortable part of the world to be an ally with Israel because then you box yourself into the same corner that that Israel finds itself. So um, it, they need it for their survival um, and we owe it to them. I mean, they're, they're a democracy. And at the end of the day, it was United Nations Resolution 181 we're generally a law-abiding um, society, and it's just the right thing to do. And if again, if there's a disagreement about borders or passageways or access to, to utilities or to water, I mean, all of that, there's a diplomatic solution that can be conducted at the United Nations. Um, but again, they chose violence. Here's, what, here's the challenge for me um, as I take a look at it. Um, you know, the Israeli Defense Forces found a thumb drive with instructions on how to employ a cyanide device or improvised chemical device. Um, And then they also found an SD card on a GoPro camera. Um, And we know from a Wall Street Journal that those Hamas militants trained in Iran as late as September of this year, probably in preparation for this this attack. Um, That tips the scales. That, That becomes an asymmetrical threat for the Gaza Strip of operations. And I'm really not worried about our military. They're trained, organized, and equipped to mitigate that threat. The challenge that I have is that if you under, if we understand that Iran is the connective tissue for all these state and non-state actors that have chosen to sow discontent and chaos in the Middle East for well over 20 years, then we understand that they had support to ISIL or ISIS and we know through a June report of this year through the United Nations that ISIL produced at least eight chemical agents um, and employed many of them. This SD disk and the USB drive document had the fingerprints of Al-Qaeda from the Hamas militant, um, which tells me that anything that ISIL, anything that Iran has, Hamas is going to have. And then we take it one step further. So Iran has already um, known, shown their intent that if we 
serve to support or protect Israel, they'll retaliate. Well, as we take a look at retaliating targets, we want to find the softest one. And if Iran decides to attack any military target in the Middle East, that's a hard target because that target's going to shoot back. But the homeland is a completely different story. And that's where 99 percent of my concern is. Well, Jeff, my concern, too, we, we've seen them come to 9-11. We've seen them attack. What's next? What are they going to go after next? And uh, they're not going to stop. They want all of it. Now, you just mentioned something very serious, uh, a germ warfare or an attack like that. We just saw COVID come through and we saw how vulnerable our nation and our world is. Is this is this a real threat? Would they actually do something like that? Um, it would be negligent if they didn't consider it. Let's just put it this way. So the components of that cyanide device that that came from the manual, those are what we call dual purpose. So that means that they have a legitimate commercial pur- purpose, which means the inventory is is controlled, but it's available. Um, and it, it makes for a nice device for a nefarious actor to do things like employ it in crowds or places where unarmed or unprotected civilians are. Um, and so the, the challenge or the problem is, is sort of um, a little complicated. The first is, you know, we, we can have somebody um, come through the border with the components and then employ them. Um, and then we ask ourselves, are we prepared to do that? Are we doing a good job at, at uh, controlling or metering the traffic coming in from the border? Um, and I will tell you, that's probably... When it comes to homeland security, I'm not a big fan of giving us a grade, A, B, a C, or D. It's a pass-fail event, right? So if if we don't um, deter it, if we don't interdict it, somebody exercises an act of violence in the United States, then, then we have failed for that event, um, and we need to fix that. Or that the actors can come in from another country and steal the components of it. Um, and that's part of our chemical, our critical infrastructure, the Department of Homeland Security is in charge of. Uh, my question is, who from Homeland Security has communicated to the, the chemi- chemical industry um, that these components are highly desirable and, um, you know, lock and key surveillance guards, something like that is probably in order. And then that we don't know what's coming through the border. It was only about a year or so ago, maybe two years now. I don't know. I forget. But we exited Afghanistan under less than desirable conditions. And Department of State has already said we didn't vet everybody that, that we evacuated from that country. So that's a kind mixture of, you know, good people and bad actors, in my mind. Dr. Jeff, you bring up uh, Afghanistan, and I, I've been a very big proponent that we blew it over there. We sent troops. We sent our military. We showed how strong we are. We showed how great we are. Then we had a president just rip us out of there and and leave so much artillery, so much equipment that they went and looted and grabbed. But here's my bigger problem with that. We went to that country a few years prior and we went to those citizens and under their reluctance, we begged them and asked them for help. And we said, hey, can y'all help us free up your country? We'll put a democracy in, we'll clean it up, we'll get rid of these people and we'll protect you, your families and your kids. And many of them said, no, 
We're scared to death. They'll murder us. They'll kill us. These are really bad people. We said, nope, we're going to be here. We're going to support you. And we're not going to leave this country and leave you high and dry. And then here we are a few years later, after we convinced them to help us, they went out on a limb. They helped us and we abandoned them. And I heard story after story where they were retaliating against the great citizens of that area that went out and helped us and believed in democracy. They believed in America. They believed our country would stand by them. And they murdered and uh, just went through their families, destroying property, destroying their lives. You know, so so this is a, this is a group that's playing a game that we expect to be fair, but they're not doing anything fair. No. Um, and why would you if you're the Taliban or if you're Hamas and you know that if you go head to head with the Israeli Defense Force and um, they're going to send me home packing with Band-Aids, um, then I need to do something that uh, that kind of levels the playing field, right? Um, and that's the introduction of an asymmetrical threat. Um, some people call it cheating. It violates the uh, conditions of the, uh, the Hague Convention. It's difficult sometimes for attribution, that is uh, the collection of evidence and bringing to an international court those who have violated the law and then uh, provide them uh, the penalties as they see fit. They've played by the set of rules that ensures their success. And by playing by our rules, that ensures our success. They, this is not an organized, a train organized or equipped military force. So let's compare it, um, you know, to the United States. If, if the United States military is not playing by the rules, then the international organization goes straight to our president of the United States and hold them liable or a general officer or two. But who do you go to when Hamas or the Taliban is not playing by the rules? There's really no head of state because, you know, some will argue that they're puppets of the Iranian government and they're third party actors acting on their behalf. Penalties holding accountable and and responsibilities. That's why we call them non-state actors. It's a difficult problem. And at the end of the day, I think their past performance gives away their weakness. And that is that they respond extremely well to violence. And so if our going in position is violence or the threat of violence, we normally have their attention and their compliance. You know, I agree totally. These people protesting are protesting for people that do not play by the rules that want to murder everyone, including them, including them. And no, the, the threat- you know, if, Homeland, if Homeland Security plays their, their cards right, it, it, this the, an event like this um, brings people out of the dark shadows of our of, of the world. And, and so what I mean by that is um, you've got some legitimate, you know, I'm exercising my first amendment right protest um, that's going on. And, and you also have some nefarious actors that, um, that are sort of enjoying the moment and are coming out of the shadows. And so it's an opportunity to figure out who's who in the zoo and, and not be surprised later on if they're actually on a target to employ violence. What does America do to prepare for something like this and to protect themselves and the citizens from this? Because, again, uh, COVID is very much an example of what a virus or a deadly chemical could do to a nation, a world. 
if it was released? What do we do to prepare? The answer really is kind of simple, um, even though it's a very complex problem. We have a Department of Homeland Security that's been around for over 20 years now, right? 21, 22 years now. We have expert, we have government civilians, we have contractors that know how to secure our border. They know how to seal the border. They know how to protect critical infrastructure. But unfortunately, we have a Secretary of Homeland Security who is a litigator, not a leader. And so the answer is really simple. We just have to want to do it. We need somebody in that seat that wants to meter the border, that wants to allow our professionals in Customs Patrol and TSA to do their job. Uh, They're tacticians and they're experts at it. This problem, I would anticipate, at least as we're talking about and focusing on the southern border, that's a challenge that that can be um, fixed almost instantaneously. And what I mean by that is three to seven days. It's not hard. Um, We have professionals that know how to do it. Um, It may be extreme in uh, in the beginning until we meter off um, um, and allow near normal passage, but controlled passage. And and we've got to do the same thing at our ports of entry, air and sea, because nefarious actors, they don't like control points. It brings a level of difficulty for them. Um, And so we have a Department of Homeland Security who's that's their purpose. That's their mission set. To your reference about our COVID experience, I I don't know where to begin on that other than to to tell you that many of us in America have short-term memories. Many of us in America have forgotten what it was like to be in 2020. Um, and or that that was a once in a hundred year sort of event. It's it's really not. But people like you who do remember and who have captured lessons learned can put the onus on political leaders to never forget and always be prepared. Um, so it's a mindset issue. And frankly, we need a new secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, so I'm hearing that we're at that heightened alert again, that we need to start making our bases secure, making our borders secure. We need to start um, really paying attention to the threat that could come over here. And again, a chemical threat to this country before we even know it occurred could wipe out a third of our nation. It could wipe out schools. It could go into our water systems. It could go into our food chains. It's very scary. Yeah, the, you know, you bring up a good point. The, the other piece to this is our leadership. And what I mean by that is compare four years ago with today. Four years ago, many of these actors would have been afraid to even think about what they did this this year. But when you smell blood in the water, or you smell hesitation, it emboldens irrational actors. We've kind of walked ourselves into a, a tricky space um, right now. Um, the the Ukrainian conflict, I think, has um, created a very, very strong bond between Russia and China and Iran and North Korea. And then this Israeli conflict is is creating a strong bond amongst many of the Arab nations that includes Iran. Um, and so we've got a multipolar global um, sphere of influence. And the worst thing that can happen is the Russia-China group get together with a Middle East group um, to, to become a hybrid threat against the Western. Um, and we return to a bipolar world. 
Um, but it's, it really is changing and it's changing because of who sits in the Oval Office and what that person says. Um, the, the only useful purpose for a military, well, there are two purposes. The first is deterrence. Uh, and if you have a military that has a monopoly on violence and we have a leader who's not hesitating to unleash that military um, to influence behaviors or decisions, then we have what we call as deterrence. And people are likely not going to poke us. They're not going to poke the bear. Um, and then the second part to that is that if, if told to execute, the military has to show that they have a monopoly on violence, do it very well, do it very quick, um, and then uh, come back home. Um, but I agree wholeheartedly. At the heart of this conversation, I think, is the threat to, to U.S. citizens. Um, and, and so if if you're if you're going to accept we're just going to shrug 600,000 people coming into this country um, undocumented, unprocessed, unknown, um, then, you know, the, the, the floodgates are open um, and there are a lot of bad actors um, in, in South America and Central America. Uh, there are there are a lot of good, hardworking people that just want a better way of life. Um, the challenge that we have is that it, the nefarious actors hide under their coattails. Um, right. And, and right. And, and we weren't. But they're not all economic migrants looking for a better way of life. They're not all asylum um, um, seekers um, trying to escape an environment of violence that um, where they've been targeted um, or doesn't allow their family to to operate in, in peace or live in peace. Um, these are these are just people that don't play by the rules, as you describe. Um, and some of them have ill intent on the United States. And that that doesn't that doesn't sit well for us. Look at when after 9-11, we sealed the southern border and we sealed it almost overnight. And it gets back to my point. Homeland Security knows how to do this. And we just got to let them do it. Yeah. yeah, we've executed it before. Um, there is we we just need a leader that will allow our homeland security professionals to do their job. You're right. This group is not going to play by the rules and they're going to push the boundaries more and more. And that's where I think our biggest fear of chemical warfare and attacks needs to be opened up and seen and looked at and paid attention to. How can listeners find out more about you and more about your information and some of the stuff you do? So um, thanks for uh, for asking that question. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my last Last name is B-R-O-D-E-U-R, preceded by Jeffrey. That's all about me. I'm a consultant with Rigaku Analytical Devices, if I can, for just a minute or two. They pioneered Raman spectroscopy that operates with a 1064 nanometer laser. It means that we can put one of our handheld devices in the hands of Customs and Border Patrol. And if they have a transparent, translucent um, container, a solid liquid or a powder, this device without opening the lid, will analyze the chemistry inside and give you with greater than 90% confidence exactly what that chemistry is. So it would alert 
Customs and Border Patrol that that package, that material being carried across is in fact a cyanide-based product, and it will inform their tactical decisions so they can respond appropriately. I'm comfortable and confident that they can train, organize, and equip and to mitigate this threat. At the at the local level, um, I will tell you that I, as a civilian, look to my local political leadership to be prepared for any disaster and a chemical attack um, on the homeland is another disaster that Homeland Security has a playbook to respond to, just like COVID, just like hurricanes. The dimensions and the technical aspects of it are, are just a little bit different. But here's where I, as a civilian, can better prepare myself. It's called resiliency, right? I become better informed on what I can do for myself. And I don't mean that you have to build a bomb bunker or have 90 days worth of water and food supply. I shouldn't have to run to the grocery store if I know everything's going to get cut off at noon. I should have some sort of stockage or inventory at the house that allows me to be resilient for some period of time. And then the most important piece, I think, is Homeland Security has a, a bumper sticker. If you see something that doesn't look right, doesn't smell right, is probably wrong. If you see something, then say something. Report it to officials. So, Make yourself resilient. Hold your local officials responsible for disaster response. And if you see something, say something. That's my advice. Doc, I want to thank you for joining us today. And I want to remind our listeners that it is so crucial and so important that we keep our homeland security strong. We protect on our local, our state and our federal level and be prepared for anything that these guys could throw at us. Have a great weekend. And remember, Live Workshop, Play Florida. 